Hey everyone, I'm Tara Scott and with me is Chris Bryant. Welcome to Queerly Recommended. This is episode four and we are so glad to be back here with you all. So we just wanted to pause again, just thank everyone who subscribed. You know, we've been really thrilled with all of the responses we've been getting. Yes. And a special shout out to Fiona Riley and Kathy Pegau. I'm so sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. Um, but, you know, they've both just been such stars sharing the episodes on Twitter, on Facebook, letting everybody know about it. And we're so appreciative. They're also both fabulous authors. So please go check out their books. And if you want to reach out directly to us, if you have any questions that you'd be interested in Chris or I answering in a future episode, just email them to podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. So Chris. Guess what? Guess, guess what? What? <laughs> what? We survived the inauguration. Woo! We survived it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I started watching from 6 a.m. in the morning and till I think it was 11 at night. I watched the concert and, to, and then a couple of other things that happened afterwards, like recaps of the day. But the whole time I was on edge, especially when they were outside walking, you know, just oh, like, yeah. so concerned and worried. And I woke up the next morning and I had the worst headache. I had a horrible headache for six hours. And I'm like, is this COVID? What's going on? What is wrong with me? And it's strictly because it was such an emotional day and I cried so hard. I was mm-hmm. quite dehydrated and then I went to bed all stuffy. And uh, so it took a while, but it was a great day. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I am so happy for everyone who has spent the last four years constant, like just walking stress and anxiety and panic. And right. Yeah. So at least we now have hope. Hope. Yes. Yes. I'll take it. Something I thought was interesting. I saw a tip on Twitter. Um, Courtney Milan, she's um, a pretty popular romance author who writes all kinds of couples. And she was talking about how for a lot of people, they've been carrying stress in their bodies basically for four years straight based on what's going on. And if people haven't already, if they find they're still carrying that stress, that it's a really good time to do the work to try to get it out of your body to complete that stress cycle. And she cited a book that I read around this time last year, and it like changed my life and saved my sanity during the quarantine times. And it's called Burnout by Amelia Nagoski and Emily Nagoski. Uh, and they talk about kind of the causes of burnout, but also what you can do to kind of get that stress out of your body. So it's things like, you know, exercise and kissing and laughing and crying and all those kinds of things so i think if if people are still feeling that at this point i would highly encourage if you can just try to get it out so that you can move forward yeah it uh, i was surprised by just how spent i felt the very next day after the inauguration Mm -hmm. yeah i can't blame you but hopefully hopefully better times ahead yes And in other completely different news, but queer news, (laughs) um, recent queer news is kind of exciting. So Jojo Siwa came out as gay and I didn't know who, I had never heard of Jojo Siwa until uh, last year when my five-year-old couldn't stop talking about her and I finally said, who are you talking about? And she said, it's my favorite YouTuber, mom. Uh, yeah, I have a coworker who um, whose daughter wanted to dress like uh, JoJo, not last year, but the year before. So I've known about JoJo for about a year and a half. So mm-hmm. I'm like, who's JoJo? And so then Tiffany had to show me all the videos and stuff. And it, yeah, so she's pretty popular with youngins. Right? And I just thought like, how how cool is that? And it gave me kind of another, I mean, I'm pretty open with my kids i'm out i'm obviously married to their dad but they know that i'm also attracted to girls and but they and they also know that i'm like gender non-conforming but it was kind of nice to have another example of a queer person that i could point to that they already know about that they know right Mm -hmm. that's nice yeah it was good and i think it'll introduce children to things uh earlier in life as far as the whole queerness lifestyle Mm -hmm. and just um that it's okay to be different and hopefully parents everywhere are also encouraging that that it's okay if if you don't feel a certain way a certain gender or you don't feel that you're attracted to anybody first of all but boys or girls yes i agree and especially seeing i mean i've seen a lot of kids tv and movies obviously with having a couple of kids and 
so much of it is almost like violently heteronormative. Like there really aren't many other options. And it was interesting to see how quickly our kids, especially my youngest, going from seeing like, oh yeah, anybody can be with whoever they want. And then starting to watch more Netflix or watch more things on YouTube. And then she was talking about how only boys and girls can be together. And I was like, how, wait, where did you get that message? Because you didn't get it in the home. So it was definitely coming across through media. So I'm also hopeful that the more we see this show up, through people being more authentic, like Jojo Siwa, and then also hopefully coming up in more movies and TV shows that it's not going to feel like the only option. Yes. I sent Tiffany a message. I said, Jojo's gay. Prepare yourself if you didn't already know that, because she's in her 30s and, you know, she's love everybody, but I don't think she knows how to handle that with her child. Her, her girl's only seven. Her daughter's mm-hmm. only seven years old. So it's funny. I sent her that text just, just so you know, this is what's happening. Be ready. Be prepared to answer questions. And so she sends me a message back and she goes, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. Thanks for the heads up. Hilarious that Ayla actually had my phone the exact moment you sent that. So I basically told her daughter myself. <laughs> Hooray. You did it. Yay. Woo. <laughs> me ruining parenting again. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. Um, let's let's rehash what we talked about last week a little bit, just a little bit, because uh-huh. I know you had a big breakthrough this week. Uh-huh. So tell us about Hades and how that run is going. Well, you see, it's like this. I kicked Hades' ass is Woo! what I did. <laughs> so I actually, since we last spoke, I actually started the whole game over from the beginning because I might have bought myself a Nintendo Switch Lite because I didn't want to share the family one anymore. <laughs> because I was, I don't want to say I was like fighting with my kids over it because I'm not going to do that. If they want to play Nintendo games, I'm 100% okay with that. I'd much rather they play that than Roblox because I can't stand Roblox. Blank face, blank face. Yeah, it's this like, it's for kids and they can go in, there's all these games for them, but they want me to play too. And I was like, well, but what if I get a Switch and I play Animal Crossing with you instead of going on Roblox? Because Animal Crossing is fun and Roblox is not fun. And I'm not going to get into the depths of Roblox because I just don't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> don't be that person. Um, so I've been encouraging them to play more. Like, I love that they both really like the idea of being gamer girls and it's like hey if that's what you want to do like let's lean in like let's do it we can we can get you more games like that we can get them more um, kid appropriate games on the ps4 or the xbox like no big deal but then i realized that they were playing the switch and i couldn't play the switch and i wanted to beat hades and i couldn't so i got myself a new one it is the coral color i love it very much Nobody else can see it. this, but I'm going to hold it up for Chris. Look Ooh, how cute that is. That it's, is cute. It's super cute. And so, yeah, They're I've been small. playing. Oh, I've been playing Hades again. And it was funny. The first, So I beat Hades once on the family switch as well. And I reached out to Megan O'Brien because I was like, hey, did I see recently that you played this game too? And she's like, yeah, I did. It might be my, I think she said something like it might be my game of my of the year. And she said it was like one of her top games of all time. And I totally see it now. But when I. Wow beat Hades the first time I messaged her again and she was like oh congratulations now the real game begins and I was like what do you mean (laughs) and so it's very interesting because like you think well you beat the end boss but in this game you don't beat the end boss just once you need to do it something like 10 times to get the to the epilogue and once you beat him the first time it opens up all of these other game options like we won't see you for two years you might not Wow. Yeah, I was surprised that uh, how many people reached out on the tweets when you said that you had finished the game. Like, Haha, yeah, no, you haven't. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we lost you. And the other thing that's interesting that I didn't know going into it is that there is some queerness in the game as well, because there are some love options for, so you play as Zagreus, oh, son cool. of Hades, and there are a few love options, and a couple of them are women, but one of them is a man. And you can actually romance all three of them if you want. And so wow. that's what I'm going to do. I'm nice. going to have a joyfully slutty glad Zagreus, because why not? <laughs> I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good. So, Chris, what have you been watching? So, I finished the show Salvation. It was a series that was just on regular TV. I don't know if it was CBS. 
uh, a couple years ago. Uh, first season was 2017 in the summer. And then the second season came out uh, in the summer of 2018. And then they stopped it. They canceled. Done. Boom. Mm. Um, but even though I knew it was going to end, I still had to watch it because I was committed. It was the one that started off. It was like the big asteroid coming to Earth. Uh, we all had to like, we all, like I had anything to do with it. <laughs> humanity had to figure out a way to figure out how to get this asteroid not to hit Earth because it was like crash course. And so I'm like, I'm in because it's like, this is great. I love everything about this. And all of a sudden it turned political and it turned into a, a coup in the White House. It was like so weird. It, it was so too real. I, yeah, it was mind blowing because what was happening, what I was watching was happening in real life. You know, and they mentioned fake news a lot. So it was just weird. So I that whole thing just threw me off. But mm-hmm. I still had to watch it because I had to finish it. It's like, I'm that person that if I start something and I'm like halfway in on something, I have to finish it. You know, within mm-hmm. 10 minutes, I can I can walk away from something. But if I'm this far invested, I have to figure out, you know, what happens. And so I finished it. And I love the last episode, even though there's no continuation. There is some sort of resolve. There's some sort of resolution about the asteroid. So. I was excited about that. So I got to watch so that one. Good. So uh, it was fun. I mean, to kill time, it was good to, to kill time. But let me tell you something that I recommend that really isn't um, queer, but I'm recommending it anyway. <laughs> I watched, I, so last night, so here's the deal. It's like, we can do nothing. There's nothing for us to do. It is freezing outside. Uh-huh. I'm not one to, to be outside when it's cold. I take Molly outside. She does her business and that's it. That's the only time I go outside. I have a remote start for my truck, so it's nice and warm when I race out there to get into it. So I don't have to worry about it. I still like being cold. So uh-huh. there's really nothing to do but read or write or watch TV. So last night I was going, I was on Netflix, and you know how it just kind of starts? I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe, was it, I don't even remember what it was. It might not have even been Netflix. It might have been Amazon Prime. But whatever I was doing, I was like, oh, this looks good. I'll just go ahead and watch this. And it's it's a movie called Spontaneous. And it was actually hilarious. Really? What and was it about? So here's the deal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, the synopsis, but it doesn't really it it, it sounds more serious than the movie actually was. When students in their high school inexplicably start to explode like literally explode oh my god Seniors, yeah mara and dylan struggle to survive in a world where each moment may be their last as an unexpected romance blossoms between them they soon discover that when tomorrow is no longer promised they can finally start living for today so it's kind of interesting because it starts off and there's this the, the main character she she's in class they're all in class and she just leans over to put yeah I don't remember like if she's leaning over to pick up something off the floor or tie her shoe, but the student in front of her explodes, just explodes, like blood everywhere. Oh my gosh. Everybody's like, what the hell? And so everybody races and they don't know what to do, so they leave the classroom. And so then like every so often another student explodes, just and it's just it's the weirdest movie, but oh my god, the dialogue was hilarious. The dialogue is spot on. I love things. I I love a good movie that has a lot of good dialogue humorous mm-hmm. dialogue with teenagers mm-hmm. you know how teenagers are like they can either be like extremely we talked mm-hmm. about this like the teenage bounty hunters just the dialogue yes. that the teenagers have and i and it's true i mean i think that there's a lot of humor people um adults and kids both use humor a lot and so this book this movie has a lot of humor in it and just circumstances i mean how do well, there's nothing else to do but kind of make jokes about it and teenagers make jokes about mm-hmm. some of the most inappropriate things and said so this this movie was it, it made me laugh i mean the ending the last like 15 minutes was kind of hard but the first oh my gosh it was so funny so i watched that and then i watched the new tom hanks movies uh the movie uh news of the world so that was my evening and both were really really good and tom That's- hanks i mean god he, he doesn't do a bad anything doesn't do a bad movie bad show nothing no i don't think he can no no. Hmm. So what about you? What uh, what are you doing, reading, watching? I'm still watching RuPaul's Drag Race. It's very weird to go from how I was watching it before, which was just, it was all on Netflix or Amazon Prime, and I was just powering through each season, to now I have to wait mm-hmm. week to week. I don't care for that <laughs> aspect of it. life before 
you know, coronavirus. Everybody had to wait every week to see an episode. And all of a sudden, you know, now we have to binge watch all these shows. That's going to get, it's going to be hard to go back to the week to week series. It's very strange. Yeah, it's super, super strange. But uh, so I've seen four episodes of the US and three episodes of the UK. And I have to admit, I actually like the UK season better right now. And I think it's because I've, I'm trying to I'm trying to pinpoint it. There's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I think the 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 queens that they have in the UK are more interesting right now. Um, they have a Glaswegian queen, Lawrence Cheney, who I love. She is hilarious, but her makeup is gorgeous. Some of her outfits are gorgeous. She did um, for the premiere episode. They had them all do runway looks, which was their. I think it was the premiere. It doesn't really matter. It was the first or second episode, but they had to do a look that embodied their hometown. And so she had a dress that was inspired by Charles Rennie Mackintosh, who is a really famous artist from Glasgow, which like, if you go to Glasgow, you will see his stuff mm -hmm. kind of all over the place. And so it was the stained glass rose on this dress that was gorgeous. And so that's been kind of a nice way to end my week. As much as I complain about I don't want to wait, and I don't because I'm impatient, but it is also nice at the end of the week to reward myself for making it through yet another five days of working by catching up on what's going on with all of these drag queens. It's um, a treat. It's a treat. It's, it's true. A treat. And then in terms of reading, I'm still bouncing between four or five books. But the one that I'm really digging right now that I'm really, really getting into is called Outlawed by Anna North. It came out, I believe, at the very beginning of January. And I saw it described as queer Western girl gang. And I was like, I'm hang in. on a minute. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. That's like, that's almost all anybody needs to know. It might come back as a full recommendation when I've read more, but the premise is that it's told from the perspective of a young woman. She gets married. She, when she's, I think she's about 16 when she gets married, cannot get pregnant. And there's just something about like this part of the old West. And I don't know anything about the old West. So I'm also reading it going, were there people like this? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Yes, probably. Um, but they have this superstition about like if women don't get pregnant, then they often get accused of being witches. And then if there's like measles or whatever that goes through, if anybody has a miscarriage, then it gets blamed on this woman because she's barren, even though who knows if oh. it's her or if it's her husband. And so they tend to either get executed or run out of town. In her case, she goes to a convent, doesn't really take to convent life and finds out that basically her options are she can either be in the convent or she can go join the hole in the wall gang which is all made up of women in similar circumstances. So same for the convent. Like it's all filled with these women who are thought to be barren. And so, so where I'm at right now, she's with the gang. She's learning how to shoot a gun. She's learned how to ride a horse. And she's just about to go do her first crime with Ooh. a few of the other women. So I don't know. I just find the voice really engaging. And... It's, there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, something real bad's about to happen. And it hasn't yet. So that's been kind of nice, which is kind of like watching the Queen's Gambit, right? Like, did you have that watching the Queen's Gambit? I know I did, where I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, she's yes. going to get raped now. And it's like, she never gets raped. <laughs> they just put a rapey vibe through most of the episodes. I know. I always feel that whenever I'm watching something. Agreed. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, no, like so far, it's been pretty good. Like, I'm not saying her, you know, she's had some bad shit happen to her, but that thankfully wasn't one of them so far yeah. i'm really i'm into it is what Good. i gotta say mm -hmm. so it might be a future recommendation but yes. as far as this episode goes what mm -hmm. is your big recommendation for us this week okay so in the last episode i was kind of sassy and i teased that i was going to talk about the best book that i read last year and so that's what i am going to talk about and actually i would go so far as to say that i'm pretty sure it's the best book that i've read in the last decade, or at least the best fiction book. And that book is The Subtweet by Vivek Shraya. The first thing I want to do is just say, we're going to try to avoid spoilers, but there's a chance that there will be spoilers. So um, if you are a highly spoiler phobic person, maybe pause this, go read the book, 
you should read the book anyway. I wasn't kidding. It's that good. <laughs> it <laughs> so, is really good. So please do that. That right? I told Chris about it and she said, all right, I'll read it before the episode. So we are both ready to talk about this one. And I'm going to start with the blurb because this is one of the rare books where I actually like the blurb. Um, I often disagree with blurbs uh, or will fight with them because I think they are a lie. But this one did not feel like a lie to me. (laughs) And the blurb says, everyone talks about falling in love, but falling in friendship can be just as captivating. When Neela Devaki's song is covered by internet famous artist Rukmini, the two musicians meet and a transformative friendship begins. But as Rukmini's star rises and Neela stagnates, jealousy and self-doubt creep in. With a single tweet, their friendship implodes, one career is destroyed, and two women find themselves at the center of an internet firestorm. (sighs) This is one of those books where, like, I almost don't even know where to start. I want to say ten things all at the same time because I'm equally (laughs) excited about all these different things. So I think where I might actually start is the author. Part of why I was excited about this book is that it's by an Indian-Canadian trans woman, and she's just phenomenal. I also read, she had a nonfiction book that came out, I believe, last year or the year before called I'm Afraid of Men that was excellent and talks a lot about like growing up as a boy in in Canada and the... Um, transitioning experience and and what's what that's been like and it's tiny but super powerful so that I had to keep putting it down all the time Mm. Um, but I loved it and so when I saw this was coming out I thought well I definitely want to check it out I know she's an incredible writer and some people might also recognize her because she was part of a massive Mac campaign which I think was a couple of years ago so Mac the cosmetics company and she just was gorgeous just this like iconic photo of her that was incredible and it was a part of a campaign that was celebrating max roots in canada so i don't know it just like all had me super interested and i love the idea i think for me if i had to boil it down to like what's my favorite thing about this book oh shit i just pinned myself into a corner because as soon as i was about (laughs) to say something i was like but what about (laughs) i love the way it interrogates the way friendship can be as powerful as any romantic relationship, that there can be a similar depth of feeling that there can be. And when it doesn't go right, there can be similar like grief or toxicity or any of these kinds of things. And that while it's doing all of this, the writing itself is so sharp. Like yeah, nothing you can't felt, skip a word. No, like, nothing felt spare. Right, exactly. Every word was there for a reason. I mm-hmm. thought, uh, I thought the writing was gorgeous and very real. Um, you know, I write books that are kind of fluffy, and it's hard to write a romance, you know, with such rawness. And this book, I went in not knowing anything. I didn't read the blurb or anything. It was you said, "Hey, this is a great book," and I said, "Okay, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try." Mm-hmm. And I literally just started reading it. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where the queerness was in this. I didn't know anything. Uh-huh. So what it boiled down for me, well, lots of things. See, I, I can't. <laughs> it's hard because for me, it was about communication. Communication mm-hmm. on any level is very important, and one miss any sort of communication, especially like the lack thereof, you know, miscommunication happens so much, especially with social media now, how you can tweet and post and use your Instagram stories and just Instagram itself and Facebook. I mean, there's so many ways to to communicate now. And, you know, if you think about texting, think about how there's no emotion in texting, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to read each word and you don't know when you when you get a message you're like well sometimes you don't know what it what it means and you're just like what the fuck does this mean is this Mm -hmm. like you take it a wrong way there's so many ways to take things and it's really like the vibe it it brings about a different vibe sometimes and you can take a tweet wrong and then you call your friend or whoever and it turns out that oh they didn't mean that they mean something else Mm -hmm. so for me this book was was certainly um, about communication and how words like the sub tweet can be like a little dig, a little jab. And that happens all the time, whether you want it to be a jab or not, if you're unaware of your words and the power of words. I and mean, they're truly powerful, whether it's written or, you know, like this book, 
was a very powerful book for me just mm-hmm. because I appreciated the way not only the story itself because it deals with art you know artists whether musicians you know uh I that is that is my level of understanding like I could never write a book about you know a doctor or lawyer because somebody would point it out and say oh that's fuck that part up it's not right you know whereas art you can't argue with me it's subjective you know it's it's and so that's why I love this book for that reason. So uh, it was about everything I love in life. And then the words were, were so beautifully said. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, I did the thing where I write down quotes. And so I just, I, I yeah, I had mm-hmm. to limit myself because this whole book, I just have to like read it out loud to people because it was so good. <laughs> I know when I read it the okay. first time, I highlighted so much that it started yes. to become meaningless. <laughs> right, exactly. When you're highlighting everything and you're like, oh, well, hell no, I can't mm-hmm. do this. So, but there were some, you know, and then I thought were very powerful, but I totally hijacked this conversation. So the back to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm no, I had to get it out. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So I think also to your point, like I, I really liked how social media and the way we interact with it and how it can fuck with relationships yes i think that was done so beautifully because just the way uh because rukmini really starts as a fan Mm -hmm. and like neela is the one who is an established artist i mean she's definitely um she's like an indie artist she's not mainstream yet but she has her following and then rukmini covers one of her songs and just fucking blows up and they somehow out of this like artist fan thing they build what i would actually call is almost like a a, quite a strange relationship because rukmini has neela on this pedestal Mm -hmm. and how neela doesn't really know that no she doesn't know that and then how it flips Mm -hmm. when rukmini becomes famous Mm-hmm. and neil is not the famous one anymore and how it goes from like rukmini watching neela's social media and wondering like why don't you like any of my posts to when rukmini's the famous one and she's not as quick to respond to texts mm-hmm. and she's not necessarily um engaging in the way on social media that neela would have hoped she would like that shift in power dynamic i found incredibly interesting and the other thing that I thought was interesting too was, you know, there's a real interrogation in the book of brown women mm-hmm. creating art that is largely being consumed by white people. Right. And what does that mean? At at what point are you selling out mm-hmm. versus just doing your art? And I mean, I would say that I am by far the last person who is qualified to have any kind of a judgment on that sort of thing, like as a white woman, but I really appreciated seeing it in there and seeing that conversation happen. And it definitely was something that left me thinking for quite a while. Yeah. It, um, it's a very powerful book and it was, um, reasonably, I mean, it was a good length. It wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. And, and it, like I said, for sure, you have to read every word. It's so powerful, Mm -hmm. very powerful book. And it brought a lot of attention to things that I didn't think about ever, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For, and for, like I didn't, and there's only like, go ahead. I'm so no, sorry. No, 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 you do it. You go. <laughs> We're Oops, both excited. Liars. I just I say that for <laughs> me, for me, this was a perfect book. Like there was nothing that I would change about it. And the ending doesn't necessarily give closure. I've recommended this book to people and have them come back and say like me. I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> I and I actually think that's, that's how I think that's how you're supposed to feel like yeah. I liked that it didn't wrap everything up with a neat little bow because I think a central like one of the central themes is just how messy this can be mm-hmm. and I just I got to the end and I was just breathless but you know it's all about communication mm-hmm it really, I mean, really, I, everything about it, I was, and it's funny because I get this a lot with books, uh, you know, I'll read reviews, not, not on my books. I mean, I do, but other books that I'm interested in, people will say, well, if they only communicated, if they, you know, and it's not that easy. Life isn't that easy. You just can't like, oh, hey, why, you know, I feel left out because yeah. people aren't like that. You know, they don't want to seem selfish with 
time with your time. Like, I'm sad that you didn't call me like you said you were going to, because then I look like an asshole by being upset by this, you know, or mm-hmm. my feelings valid. And so this whole thing just snowballed and you could just see it happening on the page. And I was like, no, like the whole thing. And and I, yeah. I struggle still with the ending, still with the ending. That's a great point because I am exactly one of those reviewers who has called out books before like specifically romances I have called out before saying that I am frustrated because this all could have been solved with a simple conversation and I do get that there are times when well but people don't have those conversations and it's like okay but sometimes narratively speaking like it just doesn't work as well when it when it's truly like a really simple conversation that could have been had but in this case I feel like we got to see the true full ramifications of not having the conversations that you're supposed to have. Right. Agreed. Like for sure. From Mm -hmm. every point, you know, and it was, and, and I almost missed the line. I almost missed it. The whole Rachmini trans line missed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing is that, um, Rachmini is a trans woman. Like blew my mind. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost missed it because I was reading it and I was like, oh, wait, what? And that happens towards, you know, almost, well, I guess, well, probably the last three quarters of the book, I think, is when you when it comes out. Like, never once did I pick up on that at all. I didn't either. The thing that I ended up quite liking about that is just getting to see the representation of, yes. like, getting to see a book that has a trans woman, but it's not necessarily about her trans experience it's not it has nothing to do with her transition it has right. and, and and i'm quite happy to read those books as well but mm-hmm. for me it's so rare to come across a book where it's like oh okay well this character just happens to be trans and we're not gonna right. make a big deal about it we're just gonna make sure that you know about it mm-hmm. and so yeah. i liked that quite a lot yeah like i said i almost missed it almost did you want to share any of your quotes Yes, I can. I have I have like seven or eight, and some of them are really long. But I'll go ahead and, like I said, the first half of the book I started highlighting. I was like, "What am I doing? This I'm going to be highlighting the whole book." So mm-hmm. I stopped. But uh, but then I picked it back up again because I was like, "I can't just leave this here. I have to share this." Mm-hmm. So um, so I, I picked up a couple. Um, so I'll probably share three of them. So the first one says the story was that Neva's interest in her lovers inevitably declined into boredom after the initial curiosity and desire to ravage one another physically wore down coupledom was mostly an exercise in compromise the beauty of singledom was never having to do the tedious and predictable dance of what are you doing this weekend depends on what you're doing this weekend what do you feel like eating tonight i don't know what do you feel like eating and i feel like so many relationships are like that Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and I feel like this, this story talks about, you know, the whole idea of singledom and it's okay to be single and it's okay to be happy being single. Yes. So I really like that. That stood out a lot to me because I feel like a lot of couples fall into that, that like she said, the coupledom, you know, you fall into that. Hey, what do you feel like eating tonight? Oh, I don't know. What are you thinking? It's like, you know, guess what? I, and this is the one thing that always gets me like, just tell me, what are you hungry for? (laughs) I'm hungry for tacos. I, you know, what what are you hungry for? Does that sound good? I mean, and it's kind of like, you know, I just, I, I like to, I like somebody to actually tell me instead of Mm -hmm. just like, well, whatever you want is fine with me. I don't like that at all. So that stuck out for that reason because I feel that that's important to say. Yeah. And here's one that affects every single person in this world, 100%. It said, um, there was nothing more satisfying in a, in a disagreement than proof. <laughs> we all like that. We all like to be right. You yes. know, that's sad. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And there, there's so many, but I think the last one I'm going to end with is what an entitled and even offensive question to ask. Why? Why suggest that, that there had to be a reason beyond the reason provided in the article, an ulterior motive, a more logical explanation, but there really was no logic beyond truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's kind of like the, I mean, there's so many good lines and, and sometimes, yeah, oh, yeah, the question is just why. And that's, that's all it is. It's just why. And so that's towards the end of the book. But, oh, this book is great. I think for me, there's this one of the spots that really I was like, oh, yeah, good was when Rukmini goes on tour, she takes one of Neela's friends with her as uh, as a musician. 
Right. And so we see a conversation later on between, so Casey is the musician, uh, between Neela and Casey. And they're hanging out and Neela says, it looked like you were both having the time of your lives. And Casey says, that's the point of social media, isn't it? Right. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> it's like the life you want to have. A lot of times, you know, yes. Facebook is the life that you want people to think that you're having. Yes. Uh, like you get uh, to curate other people's perceptions mm -hmm. of what your exactly. life is like. And I love that in this book, we get to see like just how fucked that is. Yes. And how much it hurts it. And so the other thing for me that I'm, I, I mean, I could also, again, just like, I'll just read you the whole book. No big deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do that. But for me, it was the first page. So I'm going to read a little bit longer, but I hope that's. Uh, no, it's great. Yeah, I agree. Cool yeah, I started everybody. on the first page too. <laughs> oh man. And so for me, so typically um, because I'm a reviewer, I do get advanced reader copies of books. Usually I get files that go straight to my Kindle. In this case, they didn't have one like that. So they sent me a PDF. So I got to see it in the actual layout. So I know that this is the first full page. And also, by the way, I hate reading shit on my computer. And I read this in a weekend, just like laying there on my laptop. I didn't lay on my laptop, laying there with my <laughs> laptop. <laughs> I broke my laptop. No. Okay. <laughs> so here it is. Neela Devaki was an original. She was reminded of this fact shortly after she stepped out of her cab and into the Fairmont Hotel, the main site for the North by Northeast Festival. Zipping through the masses of musicians, fans, and industry reps, she felt sorry for the chandeliers which loomed above like golden flying saucers, forced to light up the dull networking that buzzed beneath them. But a conversation between two art students draped in curated thriftware featured, featuring strategically placed rips and holes brought Neela to a reluctant halt. I was totally working on something like this for my final project. I guess originality is dead. One of the women sighed, taking photos of herself, duck-faced with a pop-up art installation. Neela skimmed the artist's statement. The frosted toothpick, <laughs> the frosted toothpick statues of penises were, quote, a comment on the current global epidemic of white demasculinization, end quote. Why not just hang a red and white flag that said, make art great again? Brevity was the true endangered species. And just like, and it is that heavy and that real and raw throughout the whole book. And it's just like, I just keep going back to how, like, for me, it's just so sharp and it's so clever, but not in that, like, I've read books where the author clearly thinks they're clever and it's just like, right. yeah, okay, this person is so far up their own ass. It's not like that. <laughs> it just feels so, like, real. And like, she's just exposing the world for what it is. Right. I'm so glad you loved it too. I did. I really did. And I think a lot of our readers will like it as well. Hooray. Please, please, please read it. And if you love it, please, you know, drop us a message. If you want, like send us a tweet. Again, you can email us at podcast at fairlyrecommended.com. We would love to hear what you think. And we hope you yes. love it as much as we did. So, Chris, what is your yes. big queer recommendation for the week? Well, this is going to be a controversial one because I have, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to, to recommend this week. You know, I was like, well, I can go back and look at some of the uh, the series that I've seen or some of the older movies that are, that have queer rec in them. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to rent Ammonites. Mm-hmm directed by Frances Lee. And first of all, the reason why, I mean, first of all, is Kate Winslet. I think we yeah. all love Kate Winslet for yeah. ever, for a lot of reasons. I think <laughs> she's a great actress, but I think she does, she slips into character very well in, in mm -hmm. all of the movies that she has. So let me go ahead and read you a blurb of this movie for those who haven't seen it or haven't been interested in this. So mm -hmm. here we go. In 1800s England, and I think the actual date is 1840, Acclaimed but unrecognized fossil hunter, Mary Anning, played by Kate Winslet, works alone on the rugged southern coastline. With the days of her famed discoveries behind her, she now searches for common fossils to sell to tourists to support herself and her ailing mother. When a wealthy visitor entrusts Mary with the care of his wife, Charlotte Murchison, played by uh, Sarasha Ronan, she cannot afford to turn down his offer. Proud and relentlessly passionate about her work, Mary initially clashes with her unwelcomed guests, but despite the distance between their social class and personalities, 
An intense bond begins to develop, compelling the two women to determine the true nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. It, you go into it knowing that there's an affair. Usually affairs don't end up positively. Mm-hmm. Usually an affair is what it is. So um, we start off and we meet Mary Anning. And she's a paleo, uh, paleontologist, but she's not formally educated. And she just spends her time alone digging in southern England looking for fossils. Mm-hmm. So you immediately feel, when you when you start watching this, you immediately feel the dampness, the darkness, and the gloom, gloominess of her life. Her environment is just wet and just, <laughs> the word everybody hates, moist. But it's just, it's just so, <laughs> it's so dark, <laughs> you know. And it's just, and that starts uh-huh, off, you uh-huh. know, for the cinematography. She's, she's rough. She's always, she's kind of dirty, like. Because she's always digging and, and like the whole time I'm watching her going, how is she going to get that, you know, mud off her dress and, and the mud and the nicotine stains off of her fingers? You know, the whole time I'm thinking of hygiene, but which is we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, the movie, it, it's it's forever forecast, like overcast in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's so much symbolism. It just drips with symbolism. And it reminded me like best pictures from the 1990s. I don't know if mm-hmm. like I went on a run of watching all the best picture nominees in the 1990s and they all had like, they were just like full of symbolism. And so yeah. this movie is kind of like that. And it, it kind of reminded me a lot of The Piano by Jane Champion. Did you ever see that movie, The mm-hmm. Piano? No. Um, you need to see it. It's a phenomenal movie. Okay. And it has Holly Hunter, uh, Sam Neill and Anna Paquin. And Anna actually got the best uh, act, uh, the Academy for um, best supporting actor. She was 11. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and she deserved it 100%. Um, but it's not it's not gay. It's not a gay movie. It's not a clearly recommended. It's a me. It's Chris Bryant recommended movie. <laughs> seen it. And the music is phenomenal. I love the music. I love listening to the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because I was listening to the music in this movie, and I thought maybe the same people made this music, but they didn't. Um, so like, so here's, so the story is, you know, she, Mary has her first find, archaeological find. She finds this dinosaur and, and she's 11, she's 11 years old and she finds this dinosaur. Um, she takes the time and, and she had to sell it, you know, for money and, and to help her parents uh, and her whole family. Just that's what she does. And, uh, but she never actually gets a claim for any of her work. I mean, even you see her her work, you finally go because it's at the uh, British uh, Royal something or another, at Br- the British Academy, and it's not under her name Mary Anning. It's M. Anning. So you do, you don't even know that she mm-hmm. that a woman did this, and so there's a lot of you feel the heaviness of her life and just the oppression of her life being a woman, and it's just it's it's just anyway so. You'll, you'll see like the first half hour you're just like oh my gosh this is horrible just for her I mean, not the movie itself but just her life yeah. you're just like I feel so bad for her you know and she doesn't she doesn't make any apologies or anything this is what she wants to do mm-hmm. so so then you cue the love interest the uh there's a, a gentleman gentleman quote quote his name is Roderick uh Murchison and he is so excited to meet her he's like oh I've I've, I've known about your your work forever and he goes, can I go out with you one day and, and look over fossils and see what you do? And she's like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, you should be, you should feel good that I want to do this because, you know, I'll pay you. And so she's like, okay, well, meet me, whatever, meet me here. So he, of course, is a gentleman, but mm-hmm. he has things to do in the morning. So he finds her on the beach and she's like, yeah, this used to, started a long time ago. And so blah, blah, blah. Long mm-hmm. story short, he's like, I have to go on this theological something, a journey. And he's like, and I want you to, my wife isn't well. I want you, I'm going to pay you to kind of be her companion for the next five, four or five or at the most six weeks. That's how he says it here. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like, is he really going to like, is he going to leave her here? He's yeah. never coming is he back. Not coming back? <laughs> so she kind of doesn't already like her. She doesn't like her because she doesn't like people. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't like her. This Sersha, she's really, Charlotte, I guess is the character name. She's very quiet, very frail she doesn't have good health and so her husband says look I need her to be here because she needs the the sea air and she needs to bathe in the ocean and just to to get her well and so Mm -hmm. finally she says okay I'll do it and and here's a side note to this like I could have been a successful doctor in the 1840s because (laughs) I could say that to anybody but 
I would at least also say, hey, how about drinking some hot tea? And mm-hmm. how about fires? How about let's have lots of heat in houses? Mm-hmm. So like the whole time I watched this movie, I was cold. And I was thinking about how fortunate I am to have heat, running water, electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those where you just like, you're so thankful that you're in this time as opposed to back in 1840s. Yes. So, so I, I want to say like, as far as the queerness, I'm trying to think how, like the character Charlotte, she's very, you know, she doesn't feel well. And then when she starts feeling well, you can see that she has affection and attraction towards mm-hmm. um, Mary. And so the first time they kiss, you're just like, wait, what? Because it's, it's, you know, and I always talk about chemistry. Chemistry is very, very big for me. Like, I need to feel it. I need to see that kiss. I need to feel it. And it was kind of awkward, but I think a lot of first kisses are awkward. People don't want to admit that, but first Mm -hmm. kisses kind of are. And so, so it's kind of a frenzy, you know, they kiss and so something happens and it's real quick. And you're just like, what? What just happened? You know, (laughs) but then like everything changes. Like all of a sudden the sun comes out and they're in lighter dress, their their clothing, you know, it's lighter colored, mm-hmm. and you just feel this like a this oppression just kind of lift from the whole movie itself. The chemistry in the first sex scene is amazing. Like like not the first, like the when they finally like mm-hmm. come together, really come together, and you I believe the kissing and the the kissing is ooh la la and the chemistry is there and uh i'll sum it up by saying all aboard the chew you express and that's kind of like a it's amazing like the scene it's so quick it's so quick but uh um, film that on on saoirse ronan's birthday like i thought i read that kate winslet arranged for that to happen so that she could like give her a thrill on her birthday <laughs> it's hilarious i don't know but that scene was so good and it, and it just you know, it it was so real and raw, and I loved it for that. I mean, it's it's like when you finally like break apart. It, there's no walls between them, and it was just it was a very good scene. And the ending, um, you know, I, I need people to watch this movie because we need to discuss the ending, like the last twenty minutes. And I, I don't want to ruin it. You know, the director says that the love affair is fictitious. You know, these are real people, but he just kind of like the writer just kind of made this all up. This whole scene. Or this whole movie, I'm sorry. Well, is uh, it is it based on a book though? Like, is it based on Nicola Griffith's book Ammonite? I'm sure. I don't know because I literally just watched the movie just to watch the movie. Um, yeah, I want to see it, so I'm not quite sure like the history. I just know that there was like a big to do about hey, this is fictitious. We don't know that this really happened in their friendship because Charlotte ends up being, you know, she's a geologist too. You know, mm-hmm. she's a lot younger. So I so he would he just wanted to make sure that you know people knew that that this was just not a true like based on a real life story real life is, romance is the ending happy so here's the deal it depends on how you view it it's kind of like I think like I laughed at the ending I, I saw it and it was I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody but I watched it and I looked at it like it just ended and I'm like okay, you can take it one of two ways. It was either, you could take it as a positive because like the character is like really, they're both very strong women, even Mm -hmm. though there's an age gap, they're both very strong women. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of ends in kind of like a stalemate type situation. So I need people to watch this because I want to get their take on the ending. Oh, that's interesting because, so there's a trailer that came out recently for another period movie called The World to Come. And it was funny. Neil sent me the link for it. Um, he was like, what do you think? I look, I mean, it looks like lesbians. I was like, okay, here's the deal, dude. I did see it come up on, cause it was like all over Twitter with all these people going old timey lesbians. And I, and I didn't even watch it with the sound on. I just watched what was happening. I was like, well, fuck. Okay. So they both have husbands and they're falling in love. And it looks like mm-hmm. kind of a Western context, which I think means one of them is going to die. <laughs> like that's just oh. I just don't see how that doesn't happen. Like we don't right. get to see old timey lesbians with a happy right. ending, except for maybe Gentleman Jack, which I still need to see. But that's no, I also agree. why I haven't watched this because uh, a part of me was like, well, there's no way they can have a happy ending. Right. And, and it's kind of like, you see the, for sure at the very end, you see the differences in their classes for sure. You see it. And is it happy? You can make it happy. 
you could not make it happy. There's really no set way, you know, because there was like a uh, an offer. There's, uh, and I don't want to give it away. I just don't want to give it away. I don't want to say it was an uh, unhappy, sad ending, but I don't want to say it was a happy ending. I feel like you walk away with it, believing and thinking what you do. It's one of those where it leaves you, and you're like, okay, so I can come up with my own ending. So. I mean, you don't see like a, you know, the, the car with the just married and I say car, the horses right. maybe with the just married sign and stuff like that. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Cause that just wasn't the way life was. So, but it's also not like just... the husband comes back and kills them both or anything. Right. <laughs> right. It's not like that. There's no, like, you don't see the husband again in the whole play. You see him at the beginning and that's it. And so, oh, that's already more promising than I thought. Exactly. So. That's my recommendation for this week. Go watch it now because you've got enough information. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, that is all for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, you know, if, if you really, really enjoyed it, if you consider leaving a review, we would appreciate it so very much. If you want to connect with us on all your favorite social media sites, you can find us just by searching for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We have accounts on all of them. We will respond to you and we are happy to hear from you. So that's all for this week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now tell me that ending.